1: What's up, Bills Mafia? This is Gregory Russo, defensive end for the Buffalo Bills, and you are listening to the Lockdown of Jake Jordan.
0: Welcome, everybody, to the coolest place in Bill's Mafia outside of Western New York, The Lowdown, with your host, me, Jake, and I am here tonight with Adam, and we're actually in the same room right now, which is a rarity, because usually when we record these, I'm at my house, and you're hearing me through a computer, or in this instance, your phone. Adam, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good, all things considered just hanging out (laughs) yeah there's uh we're hanging out maybe not under the best circumstances but we won't get into that but we've got a lot of stuff to talk about we're at the point of the season where you know today was i believe the last day of otas so you know we're getting to that point in the season where we still have the mandatory mini camp that we have to go to but other than that there's not much to talk about, my man. We're getting into that slow season, to where now we're just hoping for the next couple of months till we get to uh the preseason games, which they did release the schedule for recently. So, you know, we're we're getting to that point and now saying that doesn't mean that we don't have topics for today's show because I we we quite we have quite a few actually. At least 4 if you want to count more than a few is so we'll just get right into it, my guy. Let's let's start with uh, one thing that happened during the OTAs. We have things, you know, players going at each other, you know, a little bit. And, you know, yeah, the players know the plays of each other, but yet they still like to get in scraps a little bit. We got AJ Epinesa getting in a little scrap with Mongo, a.k.a. John Feliciano. Right off the bat, before you even explain the situation, because you were talking to us about it last night while we were at the fields, how do you, like, there's so many people that are trying to spin this in a bad way, but I'm kind of in the camp where I think that this is a good, like, I I think it's a good thing. And that's maybe just being an athlete myself back to, like, I I know what happens whenever you play. Like, how, how do you feel about that? Oh, I, I'm in agreement. First of all, if you ask anybody that's ever been involved in a football camp or competitive sports in general, it gets heated. And if there's not good competition, it's not going to get heated. I mean, that's what happens. These are grown men out there. And in, in Epines's case, they just drafted two guys that could take his job. He's out there to prove himself. He's out there to say, No, you're not taking my job. I'm out here to take a starting job. So I got no problem with him out there playing hungry, trying to make plays, even if he does know what play is coming. I can see why, you know, Mongo got a little upset and wanted to be like, Hey, young guy, you know, know your place. Don't don't take the ball and try to return it for a touchdown. If you're gonna pick it off at the line, just kinda stomp there. But uh you know, if you surveyed every NFL camp, I guarantee you there was multiple fights. I guarantee you there was more than just that in the Bills camp. There's always skirmishes and things like that. I, I I've got no issue with it. I think it just I I think it's good good competition. I don't think it's anything to worry about. Now I've seen articles trying to spin it like it was a big thing, like. John Feliciano took off his helmet and didn't return to practice. I think that's just McDermott, you know, those are his children. He basically told Mongo to go to his corner and go take a timeout. So I think that that was just, you know, telling teammates to go cool off, calm down, talk it out in the locker room after practice, move on. I could totally see that being a thing because. When you're in a competitive sport, obviously, you know, Mongo is a personality. He's not some guy that is going to see something like that and be like, okay, whatever. Like, he's one of those guys that he's the most vocal guy out on the field. So since he's kind of a veteran and he sees something like that, you know, he sees a young guy trying to show off a little bit, maybe has a little bit of a problem with that. Maybe Mongo Feliciano kind of had a little bit of a problem with it. Because AJ and Vanessa somehow punked him out to get said play and then intercept Josh at the line, whatever it may be. Uh, you were alluding to it when you were talking about it is that, uh, you know, some people are trying to spin this in a bad way. And a lot of it I've seen this come from Bills fans. And, uh, one of my things, and I told you this prior to us actually doing the podcast was that I was probably going to go on this little bit of a rant, but, uh, the second thing is, why are Bills fans so quick to jump to the past? Mm-hmm. So when something like this happens and some national reporters actually like there were guys like Pro Football Talk with Mike Florio, they put out an article talking about how there was a fight in quotation marks at the uh, at Bills OTAs, you know, t- there's nothing to talk about right now so when something like that happens everybody's going to jump on and just to talk about it and try to fill a two-hour show with it so we uh i mean not uh, not too different from what we're trying to do right now when we're filling out this show but you know i see Bills fans going oh boy we're in the bickering bills again which if you don't know is what they called the bills before they went on the super bowl run uh because there was infighting and everybody didn't get along and everybody is uh so quick to jump to the past and say that uh hey, this happened in the past, but don't worry, we got over it, and we went on a beautiful Super Bowl run which uh amassed no titles. May I remind everybody of that fateful fact that uh the bickering bills won no titles, but the big thing is I saw this again with the uh I might have brought this up right after the AFC championship game. Me and Bryce did a pod when I was over at the other place doing a podcast. And when we were when we were talking about that, somebody was like, Well, this reminds me of the nineteen eighty nine Buffalo Bills when they went in and lost to Cleveland in the championship game and like and but then they went on a Super Bowl run. So everybody don't let this get the skirt. Like I I I hate when people try to just be like, oh, yeah, you see this happening? Well, this reminds me of a time like nobody cares. Like they're two completely different teams. When I look at this happening in OTAs, I go, that's competitiveness. We know the camaraderie that this team has. This isn't a team where we're constantly hearing like if you want to go back to those 1989 teams, constantly there were articles coming out of infighting all the time. You don't see that with this team. This is a occurrence that happened. They're competitive dudes. They're out there going at it. They're super hungry and I love it. And I, I just want to know why do Buffalo Bills fans go and they're just so quick to be like, Oh, well, I remember when like, why, why is that a thing? Why are they so stuck in the past? It's the same thing with trying to compare these teams. It's the same thing that has people going into every single season expecting the worst. Oh, God, we're going to be like, like, what is it? Like, you, you've been a fan far longer than I have. Can you explain that to me at all? Why these fans are so quick to just jump on the, oh, well, I remember when kind of train. Yeah, because they, uh, I mean, we kind of talked about it a little bit the last time we did a podcast together. Uh, Until we win that elusive title, we're never going to feel like we've made it. So it doesn't matter how good we've looked last season or even the season before that as we've been progressing under this new regime with our the team we're building. We're just waiting for the rug to be pulled out from under us. So any little negative thing that pops up, it's like, oh, no, here we go. They're going to take it all away from us. (laughs) So I think it's just this, you know, They've seen it before and it's kind of a, oh no, here we go again kind of thing. And uh, I think what people need to realize is this, this team is different. It's a family. Uh, And last time I checked families fight, but they still are family at the end of the day. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, I mean, if you saw people, I mean, even how many times do you see during the season when guys get into it on the sideline, like, it doesn't mean that there's problems. It just means that they're competitors and, you know, they're trying to hold each other accountable. I think that's good. You want people holding each other accountable, especially when you're you're chasing titles, not just, you know, going, oh, maybe we can make the playoffs this year. You need guys that are going to hold every single guy on that team accountable if you want to go win a Super Bowl. And I'm, I'm going to bring this background to what you just said there. You're not saying that the Buffalo Bills in the nineties weren't a family because we've seen, you know, past, you know, them retiring all like they, they were a family. And I think that's something that people need to understand is the 1989 bickering bills. When they put all that behind them and became the family that we know all of them as today that's when they had their success this team built this family mindset three years ago and we've just kept and built to it and added people to the family there's nothing that's making there's nothing that you hear coming out that says oh mongo feliciano called this guy like a bitch or you know they came out anonymously to the to the uh, newspaper kind of like uh quentin spain if you remember right there was when he got let go he put out tweets saying oh if only you knew my side of the story or something trying to make it seem like that made everybody start doubting the culture and what actually is going on there but then other guys just come out and reaffirming and they're like no man it's all cool around here it's whenever something isn't going somebody's way which who knows maybe mongo feliciano is also maybe on the edge because he's getting beat out in camp by some of these guys that we got in there. so who who knows man so there's a ton of things that could go into this i don't think there's anything to worry about and i really think that a lot of people should see this as a good thing that this isn't a bad thing these these are guys being competitors and you know i don't know all about them i i didn't read anything where they said policiano took off his helmet and wasn't on the field If you read that i'll just assume that there was a report out there that did talk about that Uh, but just in complete honesty i know what it's like to be a competitor i know when you go out there and you're you know you know somebody maybe gets, you know they they get made to look a fool and then somebody else is also looking a fool like i guess if mongo didn't do it maybe a coach would have stepped aging and like hey man you don't got to do that like Who knows? I mean, he's a young guy. If I intercepted Josh Allen, who was possibly going to be an MVP, I'm like, of course, I'm going to I'm gonna go out and I'm going to show them. Take bit. him to the house. Yeah, you know, I'm taking that shit to the house. You uh. don't know how many times you're actually going to get that opportunity to do that. And uh, just before we move on to it and talking about passes and things like that, what are your final thoughts on that before we just hop into this next topic that we have? I was just going to say the one point I wanted to touch on that you just brought up was Feliciano maybe feeling a little bit of pressure because, honestly, Bean is doing what any good GM should do. Everybody, you know, we talked about it in the draft, you know, when we went through the draft pick. The more I see on this this tackle we took, this massive Spencer Brown, he is putting pressure on Feliciano for what I've read. So let's, let's get into that. That's not even on the topic sheet, but let's talk about it. So, basically, when we drafted Spencer Brown, Brandon Bean immediately already came out and said, oh, Spencer Brown's going to be the swing tackle this year. Without camp, without anything, said, that guy's going to be our swing tackle this year. Obviously, we lost Ty Niseki you know we we need someone to be a swing tackle but don't don't let it uh, surprise you if you see some snaps where they take old Daryl Williams who did play right guard and let's let's uh let's bring up the subject everybody likes to say oh well you know Daryl Williams took snaps at guard and he looked awful no he took snaps at left guard for a time and he's not made for the left side of the line he didn't look good, so that's what happened on that front. But when he was a right guard, he looked pretty okay. So what does uh, what does Mongo Feliciano play? Oh, yeah, that's right. He plays right guard. So if he's playing right guard and Spencer Brown just is this massive hulk of a beast that everyone's talking about saying that he's athletic, he's great, he's got a 10 on the RAS score, like this guy. He's going to be a monster. He was a steal in the draft. And I believe they said five. Uh, uh, Charles Davis came out and said that independently when he was doing his draft research, he asked five offensive line coaches out of all the players in the draft. Which one did they want without uh, coaxing them into saying anybody? Five of them. And so five offensive linemen coaches in the league said Spencer Brown by name. So that means that Spencer Brown was on a lot of people's radars. So th- don't be surprised if you see some snaps where they move Daryl Williams to right guard. And then at right tackle, you've got Spencer Brown right there. If John Feliciano isn't getting it done, he's only got the one year on his deal. But then his last, like, I believe it's his last couple of years, they're avoidable. We can get rid of him after that. Yeah. So if we're going to sit his ass on the bench, or maybe Cody Ford doesn't work out at it left guard. So they switched Feliciano to left guard. Whatever it may be, Feliciano is still fighting for his job. I don't think that there's any question about that. And there's some situations where maybe he's getting heated because, remember, uh, Quentin Spain at left guard didn't give up a sack the entire year. He came to training camp. He wasn't wasn't in shape. He lost his starting job to Cody Ford and Ike Butker. And then he got butthurt when he got cut. So we ate some money on that, but we we've pretty much said that if you're not going to do your job to the level we want you to do, you're out of there. So if Spencer Brown is out there killing it, and Daryl Williams can do just fine at right guard. Why wouldn't you do? It? So you win Super Bowls. You bring in competition. You fight for your job every single year. I mean, outside of Josh Allen or Diggs or guys like that, you're not. They're not fighting for their job, but oh, yeah. you bring in. You don't think that Mitchell Trubisky is challenging Josh Allen? <laughs> Certainly not. Um, but, yeah, you bring in competition. But don't forget, we also find Forrest Lamp. I love Forrest Another Lam. guard. I mean, and that's the thing. he Bean likes to get guys that are versatile along the line. That's their whole motto. They don't want just a guard. They want guys that can play tackle, guard. That's why when I say Spencer Brown is making Feliciano uncomfortable, because just even though he's a tackle, everything they talk about this guy, I mean, and I saw him at the senior bowl. The dude just showed up and was tearing it up at the senior bowl, and everybody was like, who the hell was this guy? And uh, so I, I just think that we're going to get the best five linemen out on that field, whatever position that means. <laughs> Except Dawkins is playing left tackle because, let's be real, he can't play somewhere else, most likely. I I think the only positions that are truly shored up are still Mitch Morse at center because we don't really have anybody that can replace him unless we're throwing Feliciano at center. I thought they said one of the tackles we drafted had some experience. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. I know they were saying something about somebody on the team that they either acquired or drafted – has some center experience, but I'm not positive. Maybe I'm thinking okay, of somebody I, else. I haven't done full analysis of every single person who's on the roster currently at this moment
1: because they will
0: <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'll uh, I'll wait for them to get to the 53 before I actually do full analysis on anybody. But no, I I agree with you. I think that whatever, uh, what I I think we're gonna get the bet because seriously. Like just looking at it, the offensive line last year, while we didn't have our full five that we've always that we wanted out there, Cody Ford got hurt. And then when he got hurt, Feliciano came back. So we never truly had the line we wanted. But Brandon Bean could tell that there were problems. That's why we've gone out and got a ton of like depth, at least for camp bodies to see if anybody can fill any of those roles. Because Cody Ford isn't a lock at left guard either. So we don't know what could be going on. Forrest Lamp could play left guard. That's what he played for the Chargers last year, and guess what? He was pretty damn good on the Chargers line last year after their, I, I forget what lineman got hurt, and Forrest Lamp has had issues with injuries, but last year, he played completely healthy the entire year, and he looked pretty good, and I was so surprised when I saw what got him, and, you know, of course, all the memes ensued, the I love Lamp, like, Brick Tamlin memes, like, you <laughs> He, he would, I will totally use that if he turns yeah. out to be a stud force. I can see, I can see Josh Allen using that, like when something happens, like I love Lamb. Oh, like, he because, would like that. He would, would, would totally, one hundred percent. And you know, we're sitting here and we're talking about position groups, right? We're sitting here, we're talking about guards, line, offensive line, and whatever. And this is a question that I heard on one Bills live. They were talking about what is the best position group on the Buffalo Bills at this moment. I'll let you go last. Because I think maybe one of the ones that you pick might lead into our next topic. If not, it completely fucks up everything I'm thinking about. So who knows? But, uh, we, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to start off. What do we think is the best position group on the Buffalo Bills? And I'm going to say personally, I think it's the quarterback room. And don't get me wrong. I love the wide receiver room. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, we talked about it too, safeties. I love that. I love our, uh, I, I really like our depth foot defensive end now, but there's a lot of unproven stuff there at this moment. So you can't really say that. But I'll tell you what is proven. We have an MVP candidate and the MVP winner on our team right now. I think we have the two best quarterbacks in the AFC East. While that's not saying much as everybody else stinks, but. I think we have the two best ones and behind them we have Davis Webb who, you know, a lot of people don't talk about it, but Davis Webb is, you know, a guy who's been around the league and he's always been a camp body for the Bills. He's kind of the same build as like a Josh Allen. And I, I love him too. I think, and we've got Jake Fromm too, who I think is going to, I don't think Jake Fromm was ever going to be a competitor. I remember we drafted Jake Fromm and people said, Oh, why would they draft him all the people in the media? Why would they draft a quarterback? They have Josh Allen. Is this gonna put pressure on Josh Allen? And there's been some things to hint that Josh Allen thought them taking a quarterback maybe pushed him to be a little bit better. But you know, it is what it is. I think that when it comes to the depth, I mean if Josh Allen goes out, the most important piece on your offense is your quarterback. That's the brains of the whole operation back there and if you've got a guy like josh allen who's already proven that he's mvp caliber and you know a lot of people don't like to admit that especially dolphins fans and patriots fans they don't like to admit that because the did jets fans they they're still just trying to figure out you know whether or not they're going to be able to go to games next season or you know what the real ramifications of having adam cookhead gaze is their team what that's actually going to do but like in all honesty, I think that having a guy like Josh Allen just be the focal point and then having a guy behind Josh Allen who, you know, a lot of people don't want to give Mitchell Trubisky credit because he got thrown into, a sh- like, he's in a shitty situation, like the same one that uh, this year Justin Fields is going to be thrown into to where in Chicago, there's a lot of pressure on you, dude. And let's not forget that first year that Mitchell Trubisky was in Chicago. They made it to the divisional roundup. And if it wasn't for a Cody Parkey double doink, they were in the NFC championship game. So, you know, we've seen guys in Trubisky. I think he just kind of has a problem where, you know, he doesn't make his reads right. But I think you throw him in a, in a system, in a room with Josh Allen and with Brian Dable. I think you're going to have not only a guy who next year, you're going to have... You're going to have, obviously we're not going to have Trubisky on the team next year. I think that, uh, but in my theory is still wherever, whatever shitty team Brian Dayball goes to, he's going to bring with him Mitchell Trubisky, his little Josh Allen that he brings with him. And I think that the quarterback room is the best one. That's just my opinion. What do you think? Oh, well, we were talking about it briefly. Um, earlier today, and uh, I love the safeties. I mean, when you look at Poyer and Hyde, it's just they have good depth behind them. I mean, it's not like special, but they have good depth. Jaquan Johnson and Damar Hamlin now really are the main ones behind them. Yeah, but in the past we had decent depth too, Um, but I got a good receiver, only because when you've got Diggs and Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders, but then you look behind them and you've got guys like Gabe Davis, who was great for us last year, and by all reports and some of the clips I've seen at a camp, he looks pretty good. Uh, and then you got even unproven guys like Isaiah Hodges, six foot four. Has good hands. I mean, the receiver room is stacked. We'll see who ends up even making the team because we just went and drafted this guy who's probably going to take Isaiah McKenzie's spot and Marcus Stevenson. Yeah, he's probably going to take McKenzie's spot, honestly. Um, so we'll see who they end up keeping, but the receiver room is just absolutely loaded and it's got to be our best overall top to bottom. The best way to describe our receiver room is kind of like the room we're sitting in right now. You you're Josh Allen and you're sitting here and you got all these toys to look at. That's that's the receiver. You're just sitting there and you're like, Oh, I can play with this one, or you know what? No, that one, oh, that one's double covered. Okay, I'm gonna play with this one or something <laughs> like that. Like that's that's exactly what when I think of the Buffalo Bills receiver room, it's like that. And I think what makes the receiver room better is the quarterback room. And those two just they match they're you know they're like 1a and 1b i think they're the best and i'll add this way though the room we need to hope is the best one is the offensive line because those receivers and that quarterback is not going to be very happy if that offensive line isn't in (laughs) again so we better hope that ends up being our best i think i think josh will let them know if the uh if the offensive line isn't making him happy We're going to have a little bit of spending cash, which right now I don't believe is going to be used for anything unless, you know, a Zach Ertz trade. And notice how we didn't even talk about the tight end room because as much depth as we have at tight end right now, I don't even think they're anywhere close to me. We don't have an elite guy in there right now. I have some hope for Jacob Hollister. I really hope. That Dawson Knox steps up, but if not, I wouldn't mind getting a Zach Ertz. Which everybody says is still on the table. I don't know. I think I think is really messing with the Eagles. I think he's just like, no, we don't need him. No, we don't want him. And they're like, but you're the only people that said you want him. Please take him for a seventh. And Beans like, I'll just wait for you to cut him. (laughs) It's it's not even that. It's if if they came and they said. We'll do it for a seven and Tommy Sweeney, right? Say you do that, which I like Tommy Sweeney, but or um, I I I don't know. I think that I mean you need something to give them. They they need a tight end. To obviously, I mean you lose Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz <laughs> if he gets cut is immediately going to the Colts. I don't think that he goes to the Bills. I think that he'll be asking for a little too much. And I think that the Colts are going to be number one on the radar because of Frank Wright and Carson Wentz. But if he gets traded, I think the Bills are the number one destination. But if I think it all comes up to if Howie Roseman is still trying to play a little bit of hardball and is, you know, still trying to get like a fourth, or like a fourth rounder or a fifth rounder for Zach Ertz. I mean, if we're the only ones in play, we'll sit there until they call us the day before they have to cut him. Uh, to save some money and we'll just feel like uh, now it's seventh if that's our final offer and then they'll have either howie roseman's going to look like a complete jackass or he's going to look like somebody who a competent gm who's going to get something for a disgruntled player but just talking about position groups you talked about wide receiver let's get into one of the big things that happened a lot of people were talking about it because you know frankly a lot of people would have loved this guy on a team julio jones goes to the Tennessee Titans and immediately I'm seeing comments like Tennessee Titans super team the number one team to play the to play the Chiefs oh they're the number two in the AFC does getting Julio Jones make the Tennessee Titans the second best team in the AFC because I'm going to tell you right now spoiler alert my answer hell no it doesn't but what do you think Well, I'll start with the word that you used, team. Do I think it makes them the second best
1: team in the AFC?
0: No, because top to bottom, we have a better roster than they do. In my opinion, I think we have more depth at all the important positions. I think that overall, we have the better roster to compete in the AFC as a top contender. Do I think it makes their offense terrifying if Julio can stay healthy, which everybody's making the jokes about, oh, good, they just got him for six games. If Julio stays healthy, that offense is going to be terrifying because here's the thing. With only A.J. Brown and Corey Davis, don't get me wrong, Corey Davis wasn't a bad receiver, but he's not Julio Jones. Corey Davis is scarred But what I'm saying is Julio replaces Corey Davis. If it was just going to be A.J. Brown, that offense doesn't scare me whatsoever, besides the fact that King Henry's sitting back there. But you stick Julio opposite of A.J., you're not sticking your safeties down in the box to try to stuff Henry, which means Henry's going to not see eight-man fronts all the time, unless you want to leave your corners on an island, which you really don't want to do with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. So it just creates a defensive
1: problem.
0: And hopefully Leslie Frazier has a has a plan going in to kind of pick your poison, so to speak. Um, I mean, we've got, I think, the best safety tandem in the league. So I think if we get the tray of that word we know and love and we get Dane jackson to step up like i think he's gonna and like they're saying he is in camp i think that we are well suited to be able to stick a safety down in the box to help with henry but still be able to handle Julio and A.J. Brown on the outside. You know, see, I like where you're coming from and you you wrapped it around to our defense and how our defense is. I I, I have one question for you. What the hell is the Tennessee Titans defense? Because guess what? They didn't really do much to, you know, address one of the worst defenses in the league last year. I don't care who you got. Unless you're scoring fifty, that Tennessee Titans team, regardless of what they did to our team last year, on that stupid Tuesday rescheduled Andrew bullshit Josh with an injured yeah, whatever that defense did, that was their best defensive performance of the whole season. Because after that, they were garbage. They were the dog water of the league last year okay and you know what they did this offseason to address it dick all and you know what else they did they lost people i was gonna say i think they lost a few key guys you lost people and my big thing on their offense is okay they got julio jones that's great but at this point are you really changing your offensive scheme from king henry who's already proven that he can pretty much carry your offense. Are you going to give him a lighter load now and play more
1: play action
0: with Ryan Tannehill, which for some reason apparently has been one of the best play action quarterbacks in the league, who I had no idea? But now you give him Julio. Like, are they going to be passing it a little bit more now? Or are you going to be having Ryan Tannehill have to beat you now, which he's shown? Yes, Ryan Tannehill can beat you. But What I, I don't know. Are they really going to change their offensive identity from running through King Henry to now being, Oh, we're a little bit more play action heavy. That is yet to be seen. Arthur Smith left Went and now he's the coach of Atlanta. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Does it make them a super team? Hell no. Their defense is nowhere even close to being able to stop some of the best teams in the AFC. They're not even going to win their division this year. Book it Colts are running that division this year. And I think that they're going to be good. They're going to be a wild card team, but I'm sorry, super team, second best team in the AFC. It's time to hold up a little bit because, you know, I'm not going to sit here and see we're the second best team in the AFC. I think we're pretty damn close. I think us in Cleveland and the Colts, were all kind of just like there to see who's really going to be that team that eventually, eventually someone's going to knock off Chiefs and now they lost. Kyle Long to a lower leg injury, which they're saying he could be ready, but that man retired because of injuries. So, what's really going to happen with that? I think that there's a lot of stuff up in the air, but you know, Tennessee Titans fans, for some reason, we've grown an animosity towards them in the last couple of years. It's kind of become a little rivalry since you know, we seem to play each other every single year, and also the Music City Miracle happens. So, we kind of hate them for that. So, you know, all this stuff happens and you know, when I hear "super team" and I look at their team, I'm like, I'm sorry, did they inherit like the Steelers defense from last year or something? Like, don't don't even give me start Steelers defense before the injuries. Let me let me clarify that. Um, but yeah, the, we 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 need to pump the brakes on the on the super team talk with them. I'm tired of seeing that all over. Does Julio Jones make them the favorite to win the AFC? Shut the fuck up. Don't want to hear that no more. But you know that. I mean, damn, that, that topic carried us in, but you know, I, that our last topic, I kind of just rolled it in with that when I was talking about the teams that I think are like the, the one A or the two fighting for the two top five teams in the AFC. Who are your contenders in the AFC this year from one to five? Who will be representing the, like, who do you think will represent the AFC in the Super Bowl? Well, obviously
1: us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Uh, I like the confidence. Legitimately, I put us at number one. And here's why. I think that what held us back from beating the Chiefs last year, I think we would have given the bot a better game than the Chiefs did. 100%. What kept us from beating the Chiefs in the playoffs last year was the fact that we could not touch Mahomes, that's going to be different this year. Stars coming back. We're going yeah. to have better. We're than ever. going to, He looks. He looks ready to go. We've got Rousseau. We've got Beckham. We've got Evan Nelson. That's a. Well, I'm not even. Jerry's Jerry. Jerry's going to do Jerry's thing. It'll be Gary Hughes. <laughs> we are going to be all over the quarterback this year, and. Our secondary, I think, is going to be better because, quite frankly, it's going to be locked down. I mean, we have three-fourths of the puzzle, and I really think that Dane Jackson is going to step up to be a playmaker and he's really going to surprise people. Um I think he's going to take the starting job away from Levi, and I think that he'll be opposite of Trey. Um, so you're number one in the AFC. Who's number one right now? I, Buffalo. Buffalo is the number one to represent. Okay. I can see that. You know, there's still the Chiefs offensive line, which is I know they got a bunch of guys. They got Joe Thuney. Like they they kind of retooled it, but now Kyle Long, who knows what happens with that. Like we saw what happens to them when their offensive line is in jail. They got absolutely destroyed by the Bucks. Mm-hmm. So Maybe if a team with a somewhat confident offensive line went in there, maybe the Bucks don't win that Super Bowl. I don't know. I'm just saying. So you're saying your number one is the Bills. The Bills are number one. I'm saying Bills are number one. Chiefs are number two. Chiefs are number two. Who's number three? Who's the one out, outside of that bubble? Who's, who's the next one knocking on the door?
1: Colts. Colts Can are number
0: three. I'm going to surprise you here. I'm going to go four. Is the Ravens. The Ravens. Okay. All right. All right. I need you to explain that because I'm about to throw this bowling pin at your head. (laughs) What the hell? The Ravens. The Ravens are number four. And here's why. Because the Ravens added receivers that are actually a threat more so than what they had in the past season. They still have Mark Andrews. Their scheme. You can defend against Lamar if you know he's not going to be able to hit anybody. But if Lamar has guys open, it's not like the guy can't throw the ball. So when you can run the ball effectively and you actually have receivers that can get some separation, which they have now, he's going to be more of a threat to pass. So you can't just throw nine guys in the box and go after them. Um, But that defense retooled. And I think that defense is going to return to being that Ravens defense. And because of that, I put them over the Titans and Cleveland and things like that. I would probably put Cleveland or even Pittsburgh at number five. Wow. Okay. So really, really AFC North heavy. I like that. I like that. I don't know how Noodle Arm Ben is going to do. They lost by Dupree. I think that their team is kind of going into a rebuilding mode right now. I think that, I mean, obviously... Once they figure out their quarterback situation, which I think next year, they're probably going to be bad enough to where they're, they're, they're not winning their division. I think they're third in their division, honestly, next year. Steelers fans crap in their pants right now. If they hear that, but in, in complete honesty, they, they need to, I mean, hell, the Bengals could be better than the Steelers next year. They actually did something good for Joe Burrow. Well, I mean, kind of, kind of has an offensive line, but he's going to die out there, but. I don't know. I I think that that division, I think that that division, you're pretty much a toss up. I think it all depends. They really benefited from a cupcake schedule last year. And I think that the Ravens are probably the better team to come back and repeat rather than the Browns. So let me just go straight up. I think number one is the Chiefs. I think until you knock off the big dog, you're not you're not the big dog. I mean, obviously, we can have all the confidence in the world. I think that we can be better than the Chiefs next year. Hands down, I feel like that we were better than the Chiefs at the same point last year. We just were that one missing piece away. Which the Chiefs, if you remember, when they played against the uh, when they played against the New England Patriots, or the Patriots went on to the Super Bowl and they beat the Chiefs in the championship game, the Chiefs were about one piece away. And Patrick Mahomes really understanding defenses and stuff like that. And then when he learned that, it took over the league. So if we can get that pass rush on a Chiefs team that's a little bit cap strapped, but also has an offensive line that's not entirely, you know, put together. It's not A B C D. You know, there's a couple of there's a couple of alphabetical letters that are kind of out of place there. So you know, I definitely think that they're number one. Number two is obviously the Buffalo Bills. I think that right now our team is literally right there with them, neck and neck number 3 is the colts i think the colts are right on our ass too i don't think that i don't think we're it's it's not like us and the chiefs in the field that's not it right now it's us the chiefs if we're sniffing the chiefs ass the colts are sniffing our ass that's oh, yeah. exactly what's happening and right now they just canceled their uh their mandatory mini camp which makes me think oh carson Wentz must have looked good enough to where they're like oh we don't need the mini camp that's fine whatever so that team is going to be scary to play next year and i can't wait for it like see my thing is i like that we don't have an easy schedule a lot of people are like oh god we got the first place schedule now new england did it every single year i mean come on the bills can do it and some of the teams that you play on the first place schedule there's some shitty divisions out there you know some people win so i definitely think that us playing you know, them, that's one, two, and three, right? And then when you get to four and five, it's when you start getting a little bit of the wild cards. I think that the Ravens are right there behind the Colts. I like the Browns. I think they really, really benefited from a shitty schedule last Oh, year. for sure. Like that whole division did. Pittsburgh was 11 and 0. They were beating some of the worst teams in the league. Your Dallas is your Bengals without Joe Burrow. Like you, they were just, I, I think, they said that like one of the only teams that they beat over 500, like they were playing the Cowboys, the Giants, the Eagles, like they were just destroying these shitty teams. I think the only team that they beat that was actually worth anything was the Ravens once. So I I definitely think that the Ravens are the best team coming out of that division. And then behind them, this might surprise you. I think... That it's either going to be the New England Patriots or the Miami Dolphins next year, dude. I think that remember no, you you were really heavy on the AFC North. I think once they got a harder schedule next year, they're not not all those teams are going to be making it in. There's a reason why the Ravens, the Browns, and Pittsburgh were all in the playoffs last year. Horrible schedule. This year, I could see, I think Bill Belichick takes the because i think that the dolphins are a better team than that but i think that bill belichick's a good enough coach that he can will whoever it is at that point i think your number five team that you gotta be just like like you see them on the schedule this year and you're like what the hell are we getting i think it's the new england patriots i think their defense is going to be real this year and we've seen how far teams can be real I'll, like you can see how far teams have gotten with just a really good defense and a shitty offense. All of the Indianapolis Colts last year with Philip Rivers as their quarterback. So <laughs> definitely, I mean, just just look at it. If God knows what happens, if Cam Newton even looks slightly better, even these upgraded weapons and them running a better system with him, with you know these better receivers and these new tight ends. I think maybe they become kind of like a Ravens type style of system where they run with play actions with two tight ends. I think that they do that. And I think that they I think they make the wild card. I think that the AFC this year is way more competitive. I think the Dolphins, it all depends on what Tua does. But again, I think that the Dolphins and the Patriots, the AFC East, they're good. Like we're we're actually good. We're not a shitty division anymore except for the Jets. We just let them do their thing. Right now, all of us are kind of like New England's getting to where they're still falling off. They're overspending for people. Eventually, Bill Belichick hires. That franchise goes back to being in poverty. But legitimately, I think that one of those two teams are a lock for a wild card spot. I think there's no way that we're the only team out of our division that makes it into the playoffs next year, especially with the the expanded playoffs. So I think that definitely, when it comes to a team you need to be scared of, dude, you got to be scared of the New England Patriots. No matter who's back there at center, who knows? Cam Newton goes out last game of the season; they've got a wild card spot locked up. Mac Jones comes in; you get that situation. Mac Jones is gonna come in and look like a stud. So who knows? But you know, I uh, go ahead. I, I raised. uh I was saying, you know, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, maybe in that fifth spot. Mm-hmm the team that we're forgetting about is in the same division with the Chiefs. And that's the San Diego Chargers. Oh, yeah, um, Okay, talk about it. Talk about me. it. The Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> My bad.
1: <laughs>
0: um, bro, Herbert's real. That dude can ball. They still got receivers. And that defense is going to be nasty. Mm-hmm. Like it was last year before the injuries. And they also have a pretty solid offensive line. Echo is gonna be healthy this year. That team that team can win games. That team could be sneakily a wild card team that shows up and you go, Oh crap, I don't wanna see that team in the playoffs. (laughs) That team was only bad last year. Because Anthony Lynn was their head coach. They should have beat us. They should have. Anthony Lynn was probably, I would have to say, when it comes to the worst coaches in the league last year, it was Adam Gase, Anthony Lynn, and then behind him is Matt Nagy, who is still with the Bears. And Bears fans should be scared of what he's gonna do with Justin Fields this year. Um, but yeah, dude, the Chargers, I love Herbert. He just reminds me so much of Josh Allen and yeah. the Just the progression that he's way farther along than Josh Allen is already, and going into year two, I mean, if you're a Dolphins fan, you're kicking yourself in the ass not taking Herbert and taking Tua over him because right now you're in a division with Josh Allen. The thing that you would want is your own Josh Allen. So uh, definitely, definitely the Chargers. And there's sneaky teams out there that you know you like. I said. The Patriots are a sneaky team. I the forgot that they went out and got the tight ends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which, Which, Tennessee lost Johnny yeah. Smith, so, you know, they they added Julio, but they lost Johnny, so they have no tight ends either. So <laughs> Exactly. So, definitely, you know, the, the AFC is ever-changing, and, you know, I didn't even put the NFC on here. Maybe we'll say them, maybe we'll do this again next week, and we'll have some topics, and we'll talk about the NFC, And I know people are probably like, the bills aren't in the NFC. Why are we going to talk about that? Well, I think it's going to be really interesting next year, the teams in the NFC, and I think that that would be something. I still got to break down next week's pod. I'm going to be talking about the defenses in our division. I talked about the offenses, so that's going to be great, so make sure everybody to stay tuned forward that because that's going to be awesome and definitely i'm going to try to go back to the format of having the first half and then the second half so we don't have to try to carry like a whole hour of having to stretch out topics even though man i didn't think we were going to talk about julio as long as we did i thought that that was going to go into just like yeah julio joe's whatever but then when when i started getting into the oh people are calling them a super team and all that shit like this made me go off but that's the fun of doing the shows that you just bramble and go on and things happen so definitely there's a structure but you know you're allowed to go off the beaten path a little bit so thank you everybody for listening to this week's hour of the lowdown with me your host jake and this is the coolest place in bulls coffee outside of western new york again i have been your host jake and i will see all of you guys next week